Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. Hey, welcome to My Michelle Live as we wrap up the week and look at a week in review. Our week in review takes on some of the big issues of the week that everyone's talking about, but reports on things that are underreported, swept under the carpet, or outright, I am blown away this week, outright lied about by actual mainstream. I, I have been, I've gotten used to like the lobster in the pot of the spin doctoring of taking the news and pulling out enough truth and, and maybe not reporting so much on this and editing in just a way so that we can manipulate you and help you to think the way that we think, which is something that's been going on in the news for quite some time now. What I'm not used to is outright lying about it. Uh, so we're going to talk about some issues there. We're going to take on some of the big news from Rittenhouse, uh, the big deal with OSHA and mandates. Wow. And so much more. And we're going to take it on with our friend, Adam Rizieri. We call it the Riz Report. Let's review the week. So we're taking on the Riz yeah. Report today with Adam, and so glad to have you, Adam, with us today. Always a pleasure to, to rock and roll and kind of review what's taking place over the course of the week, trying to make sense of things that maybe seem otherwise just totally crazy. Hey, well, here's a um, big and, you know, crazy news story. Here's a crazy news story. Uh, we had a presidential shakeup today, and you may not have even known it. Oh my gosh, I, I was holding my breath for 85 minutes straight when VP <laughs> Harris had the power of President Harris. She had the like the codes to the nukes for 85 minutes when President Biden went in for his pre-birthday colonoscopy. So while he was getting scoped, VP Harris was probably in there just trying to get comfortable in the chair. Because uh, we all know her aspirations from day one have really been to be in that number one spot. You know, she doesn't care how she gets there. She doesn't care under what circumstances they might be. Or if she, she can actually do it. Level. Or, yes, yeah, certainly that. Like, competency, what's that? I mean, frankly, she was so unfavored by her entire, by her own party in the primaries. She was, she was not even close to being a choice for, for president, right? Like, do you know why that's a big there. deal? Because uh, as her poll numbers have plummeted, what we're being accused of is racism and, and, and sexism because we just don't favor her or the job that she's doing uh, is there right. racism and sexism racist. you know i think that is a card that is so overplayed and yet if you really want to play it then play it both ways because her party didn't want her either so does that make them right. racist and sexist well hmm. i mean is joe biden racist and sexist because i know during the primary she was calling him a racist and a sexist uh, and now here he is, his birthday, he turns 79 years old on Saturday, uh, the oldest president in history. This guy was born in 1942. So he was born, I guess, as an eight-year-old, 1950. That was when Venezuela as a country was the fourth or fifth most wealthy country in the world. And now look at them today. I mean, he's literally seen so much of, of history take place that, you know, honestly, Michelle, you could kind of almost point the finger at him and say, man, Joe, like, you know better, sir you know much better than, than, than what's taking place today. Um, and you know, you know enough to know also that you could have picked a much better person to be vice president. Um, he also could probably admit the fact that somebody else could be the, a better president than he is today. Well, maybe we um, should look at this kind Democrat of Democrat who's going to unify our country. And, and, and in fact, as a, as a leader, as a governor, he's nothing like that at all. He's not, he's not unifying the country. He's not, not governing from a centrist moderate platform at all. He's so far left. He's so far beyond, I think, what the voters of this country were expecting from him. Is he, though? I mean, because who's really running the country? He's he's having competency issues. And the issue with he could have picked a better vice president. Well, that is part and parcel of where we're at in our country, where we are preaching equity instead of equality. We want equity is equal outcomes. Everyone needs right. to have the same outcome. 
equality means we all have access to the game so that we can make our own outcomes. And that means if I work harder, I should have the ability to succeed uh, as much as anybody else who works hard. Not that if I don't do a dang thing and if I'm completely incompetent, if I don't do my job, if I'm a border czar, but I'd never even visit the border, (laughs) I should be able to be president because there's not enough people who look exactly like me. That's what happens. So we're living with the consequences of our own incompetency and our own equity. Uh, Going in entitlement, Michelle, we're entitled. Right? It's the curse of entitlement versus versus earning something. You know, like the the whole concept of meritocracy. Um, And I know there's so much that we can kind of dig into here, but she feels literally entitled to this position because she is a female of color. When in fact, there are so many other females of color that are much more qualified for this role um but but a lot of them actually kind of get shut down some sometimes for standing up as strong leaders i mean winston sears in virginia the first uh lieutenant governor of of that state to be a woman of color like she is an incredibly impressive person a first generation american who was born in jamaica who served in our marine corps and earned her way to where she is today she earned the respect that she's given she wasn't ever entitled to it she earned it and that's the yeah, kind of and maybe even had to work harder weird. for it. Let's just be honest. Maybe, maybe she had to work harder for it. Maybe she <clears throat> had to deal with misogyny, with racism. Maybe she had sure. to. Uh, <clears throat> it is not systemic. If it was, she wouldn't be where she is. But what it is, is, is sometimes even inadvertently in the minds of people, because that's the way things have been. Um, that's where people are are championing of critical race theory but in reality as we are as we work hard and we see the spectacular ability of people it has sometimes little to do with race or skin color sometimes it's just i don't like you you speak with a with a southern accent and i think people with southern accents sound stupid you're fat uh fat people uh get discriminated against every day and if you're not pretty in america you have you are less privileged studies have shown that so there's all kinds of ways where we have to sometimes prove ourselves that's just the way it is in america and unfortunately because of the way we are now indoctrinating people as a white guy you may have to prove that you're actually a good guy. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. Is it ridiculous? It is absolutely ridiculous. But that's the reality of struggle. And that's the reality of having to maybe work a little bit harder. It makes you harder working. It makes you excellent excellent, and eventually the cream rises to the top. I think we can agree, Michelle, that a story of struggle is one worth listening to. And I think it's one that does make someone stronger as a person, right? I want to read that story versus the story of someone who just kind of cruised to the top by just, just looking a certain way or or, sleeping or way, whatever it may be. Yes, I get it. I think the the quote (laughs) I've heard is heals up Harris (laughs) is the quote I've heard from a lot of, a lot of those, um, who have things okay. To say about yeah, her. and what what a lot of people are referring to is she was when she was twenty nine, or uh, in her late twenties, she uh, dated a married man who started her career and uh, you know, Montel Williams, blah 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 blah. You know, I, honestly, uh, I I I care little about that. Our world is messed up, and and <laughs> people do stupid <laughs> things. What I care about now is she competent and uh yes. most of americans including democrats say no does that make them racist and sexist uh, another story that's big in the news this week is build back better and it passed <sighs> after an all-nighter oh it's so bad it's so bad yeah so build back better passed after this all-nighter um uh, and, and really it was passed along party lines you know these these radical out-of-touch congressional democrats just they are they're so just untouched or they're so out of touch with their voters you know we're we're yeah. talking about now a 2 trillion dollar spending bill this social spending bill that really like people don't really even know what's actually in there 
And this spending bill follows $6 trillion of, of spending since March of 2020 for COVID relief. It follows this $1.2 trillion spending bill for infrastructure, which has all sorts of, or at one point had all sorts of things in there, like let's tax people for every mile they drive. Uh, let's let's build charging stations for, for electronic vehicles, um, which actually is the same concept of saying, hey, why don't we have the government build gas stations out there? When th these are all things that the private sector should be responsible for growing in a way that's much more intelligent and, and thought through than uh, a government mandate. The real problem here with this spending bill, as well as a lot of the, the initiatives pushed forth by the current administration, is that they're not addressing the real problem here, which is inflation. And the public has, has stressed how concerned they are about inflation. Um, it's a real problem when you see wage growth basically under, under underpacing the, the rate of inflation. So, you know, people are getting paid more maybe, but stuff costs more to, to purchase. So just because my, my paycheck looks better, uh, those dollars aren't stretching nearly as far. Like that's the real problem today. And so now when we look at this uh, this additional $2 trillion of spending, I mean, Build Back Better is poison for our economy right now. We're, we're literally facing 1970s style stagflation where we're going to have la lagging growth in our economy, just lagging GDP, runaway prices. Everything's out of control, mm -hmm. fuel prices, food prices. So the cost of getting to work is greater. And then when I earn a paycheck, the money that I have doesn't stretch nearly as far. And, and so, you know, you compound that with just the struggles of a small business, the struggles of a single of a single parent. Uh, these are real problems. Not everybody can really weather this sort of storm. And, and things seem so out of control, Michelle. We are looking at uh, trillions and trillions of dollars. Uh, we have still not been able to wrap our heads around spending within our means. It, I there are times in my budget where I would love to just create money out of nothing and just spend. <laughs> Wee! That, that would tree. be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, I mean, and Americans are doing it. And that's why we are in debt uh, in, in well, horrific ways, because we just live off of credit. The messed up thing, though, is like how this whole thing is being sold. And it's just it's garbage. You know, so Biden is claiming that. This whole Build Back Better initiative cost zero dollars. He's saying, oh, this isn't going to cost anybody oh, anything. Oh, yeah, that's it's right. It's actually not going to hurt the big guys. It's fine. The fact is, is, okay, so the Congressional Budget Committee looked at kind of like how things are going to play out over time. And they say, in theory, <clears throat> if Build Back Better does work the way the Democrats say it's going to work, then it will increase the deficit by $160 billion over 10 years. But the reality is, is that assumes that the Democrats are going to be able to impose additional enforcement from the IRS, saying that the IRS can basically squeeze out more money from individual taxpayers mm -hmm. who they assume are not paying the proper amount of taxes each year. That He's literally saying, let's put an IRS agent inside every CPA's office, which first of all, that's freaking scary, but let's put one inside every CPA's office because I think Congress is saying, I think that we can squeeze out an additional $480 billion from the taxpayers. So they're talking and about increasing week. the amount of audits that take place. When you file your taxes, you know, he's literally talking about having an IRS agent literally look through your taxes in a very specific way, but also, Hey, wait, let's also ensure that we have access to their bank accounts so we can see where the transactions yeah. are going and when, and how much those transactions are for, you know, like you met what, what bank account in America is, over six hundred dollars. Almost every bank account in America is over six hundred. And if they aren't, uh, sometimes the they are. I, I mean, just getting your earned tax credit will put you over six hundred dollars. Right. So that really does Absolutely mean everybody right. in America that has a bank account. This level of control is unprecedented in this free nation. This level of control yes. is. It should scare everyone, even if you're a Biden worshiper, even if you're a left winger. What happens when the other side is in office and they have access exactly. to all of your private information? See, that's the essence of well, freedom and where also, every show we often talk about your worldview, your worldview matters. If it breaks down uh, with hypocrisy, if it breaks down, if someone else were in charge, then 
you realize that you are championing the wrong cause, my dear, the wrong cause. Very much so. And our country, we, we live by the concept of innocent until proven guilty. And literally the House Democrats are saying, oh, the American, like the American public, they are guilty of tax evasion. Everybody is doing everything they can to not pay what they're supposed to pay each year. They're, they're literally assuming that you guys are not paying the proper amount of taxes. But I'm sure, you know, if you look at a majority of Americans, everybody and it makes a good faith effort to do things the right way, you know, and then you submit your taxes each year. And, and that's kind of how things happen. Um, so it's just, it's just, it's just like, really, I think it defies the basic concept of our, of our legal system in some respect, but our, our government overall, the social contract that we have between the government and the people. Um, because when you, when you see how the Democrats and how people are trying to sell Build Back Better, it doesn't sound so bad. No, we have you know, Hillary, Hillary Clinton. Clinton. Yeah, go ahead, Hillary Clinton. Right? She's saying, guys, Build Back Better is historic. It's going to lower the cost of child care. It's going to make pre-K a reality for every child in America. Build Back Better is going to invest in urgent climate action. It's going to expand Medicare. And it's also going to cap seniors' out-of-pocket drug spending. That's what this is all about. And that all sounds great, right? I think it's very easy to agree with the fact that we have huge problems with big pharma. I mean, medication and drug prices are out of freaking control. And, and I know that personally, and so does my wife, and so does my father. There's a huge problem there, but the private sector has to fix it. The government and, and the regulators have to get the heck out of that situation. Um, the school system, education. Okay, so they're talking about indoctrinating pre-Ks with CRT, with critical race theory. You know, they want, they want to find a way to get three and four-year-olds into schools so that they can start indoctrinating them with CRT at an early age. Nothing in Build Back Better is doing anything to recognize the fact that uh, Americans have a choice between public school, private school, and homeschool. And there is no sort of concession for a homeschool parent or, or a homeschool family or a private school family. You're still paying into the public sector's mm -hmm. Build Back Better agenda that's going to absorb and take over the education system. And it's already happening. We've seen that at the school board level. Um, but, but you know, so when you, when, you, when you think about how Build Back Better is being sold, yeah, it sounds great. But the reality is, is this is kind of teeing us up for a new version of Venezuela. Uh, from a cost perspective, uh, Build Back Better is extremely expensive. It adds so much more debt to the individual taxpayer, tens of thousands of dollars of additional debt on our shoulders individually. I mean, who's, who pays for it all, right? It's us. Uh, Marco Rubio, he, he made kind of an interesting tweet uh, about, uh, this was earlier today, but basically he said, in 1998, the new president of a rich country promised a 21st century socialism that used the nation's wealth to, to provide food, health and education programs. Sounds like Build Back Better, guys. The result was an inflation crisis, production bottlenecks, and severe fiscal challenges. Ask Venezuelans how that worked out. And I made the Venezuela comment earlier because that's what Build Back Better and these crazy out of control spending programs are teeing us up for is inflation to the point of really just total ruin, you know? I mean, literally more than 75% of Venezuelans today live in poverty. This was mm -hmm. literally a country that was the fourth wealthiest nation mm -hmm. per capita when Biden was an eight-year-old. Fourth wealthiest nation in the world. And now 75% of those citizens are living in poverty. The only reason that they're able to kind of make a living for themselves now is the fact that 20% of their overall market is the black market. Like that's how they survive. Well, let's talk about Australia and doing things that defy their socialist system. Yeah, Australia. Australia go. is important because we are looking at um, the most restrictive mandates. It's gone from penal colony to free country back to a basic lockdown penal colony. We're going to talk a little bit about some big news surrounding mandates in our country and even get an update on Australia. But Let's talk about what's taken place in Australia. It was a fairly prosperous nation. Now what's going on? Right. Well, I saw, so I saw that, uh, this was a video. I think I've talked about it a couple of times, but you know, there was that guy who was kind of sneezing without covering his mouth in the elevator. He was on video in his apartment complex. And then all of a sudden there was a witch hunt for the guy. Like who was that guy? Let's, let's go find him. He's on news stations. You know, people have their pitchforks out with their masks. I guess masks and pitchforks is like the new way. This, this time of year. <laughs> um, but in Australia, right, people are losing some of the most basic freedoms. They're losing their ability to associate with neighbors. They're losing their ability to go out and shop for groceries and food. 
and and they're, but they're it's, wor- it's even worse in fact I'd, I'd like to play uh, a video on this it is uh, astounding what's happening but something Listen. happened Today is the first full day of the New World Order. We've got to accept that this is the New World Order. The New World Order and the Australia we once knew is no more. Lockdown 6 was announced on August 5. It is no longer the land of the young and free. It is now a land of division, blackmail, coercion, discrimination and medical apartheid. Get off me! A land where movement, speech, religion, and opinion are no longer free. Protesting is illegal. Police must enforce corrupt policies to keep their jobs. As I won't be a police officer after the end of this interview. Police shoot protesters in the back while they are running away. Doctors and nurses cannot speak. They will lose their license. I can't really talk about that. People have lost their jobs because they don't want the injection. Children are missing school and attempting suicide at a high rate. We need to show our papers to go shopping. If you want freedom, get the jab. We can't travel across state borders unless we apply for permission to. Members of parliament are censored and defamed. 100% of those studies, it's a conspiracy theory. Pregnant women are arrested for a social media post. Search warrant for war. Activists who fight for democracy are imprisoned. The moment you're under arrest for incitement, Our human rights are gone. Our human rights are gone. It's time that we take off the COVID blinkers and look at what's happened to our once great and free country. Australia can no longer fight for itself. We have been silenced, assaulted, blackmailed and psychologically damaged. We tried to fight this battle alone. The government has instilled so much fear that we have lost our vigour to fight. We are a broken nation, and although we will never give up, we need your help to continue our fight. We need help from our international friends. We are seeking your support to apply political and economic pressure on our leaders to change the destructive path that we are on. That is why we are organising a worldwide protest with Australia excluded in support of our plight for freedom. This is an official SOS. It's an official SOS and uh, this is what we're looking at December 4th, 12 p.m., wherever you may be. And uh, if you can find an Australian embassy or consulate, that's what they're calling for. And that, the question Incredible. I have for you, America, uh, is that what you want to look like? I know that there are people saying, well, if you just take the jab, but you are actually not being informed 100%. And I I found something that I did want to share that I thought was one of the best explanations of where we're at right now and why people continue to say, yeah, no, thank you to the jab. Let's take a look. All medical interventions are experimental. We'll start at the beginning. Here we go. It's okay when it comes to medical interventions. What do you mean by that? We have something called the Nuremberg Code, which Mm -hmm. grew out of the... The war, the war crimes trials at the end of the Second World War, mm-hmm. and it established the principle of free, prior, and informed consent for all medical interventions or experiments. It means that if if you're going to take a medicine or have some kind of procedure or participate in a trial, you must give your free, prior, and informed consent. You can't be coerced. So you're allowed to be selfish when you decide what goes into your body. That is the principle of bodily autonomy. So that's a really important principle that I think we have to maintain. Beyond that, when it comes to the specifics of the COVID vaccine, we have to remember that this is a disease which mostly affects older people. The younger you are, and if you're free of comorbidities, other diseases that make the disease worse, the less benefit you get from the vaccine anyway. Mm -hmm. And there are some quite severe, potentially life-threatening side effects. They're rare, but so is it rare to die of COVID, for example, if you're under the age of 50. So people may have good reasons to be hesitant. The other thing to bear in mind, I think, is the vaccines do not prevent you getting the disease or spreading it. 
Public Health England data clearly show that between vaccinated and under-vaccinated groups, the case rate doesn't change. And recent UK study published in The Lancet just last week showed that uh, it's just as uh, transmissible. The main benefit that you get is you don't have the same disease burden, meaning that you suffer less. So you're less likely to suffer a serious disease and be hospitalised. And obviously, if you are in the age range or in the health categories where you are vulnerable to the disease, you therefore should be strongly encouraged to get the vaccination. But to my mind, there is no case for coercion. There's no case of vaccine mandates. And these people should not be losing their jobs just because they want to exercise their right of bodily autonomy. So some things to think about. Wow. Uh, really, here we are in this place. And by the way, that is Lee Jones. He's a professor of political economy and international relations on mandates and the Nuremberg Code. Uh, you have Brilliant. to, again, think of the logical outcome of your decisions. Uh, if they can have control over your body here, then they should have control over your, they can have your control over your body in other ways that maybe you're not so fond of. Um, this is just logic 101. Well, this Nuremberg Code is an important thing that was a direct response to the atrocities that Nazi doctors performed in concentration camps in World War II. You know, this, this medical experimentation on people without without consent you know i mean consent's a really important thing for for anything that that pertains to your body um and here in our country the the whole concept of my body my choice is just out the window you know the the, the far left wants to use it for um all sorts of issues when it, when it counts for them but my body my choice doesn't matter if it happens to be a, a government mandated vaccine um the the hypocrisy is just rampant and it's just it's but maybe we can buy you off I mean, we, we want to vaccinate kids, and so now we're giving free museum passes to kids. And, was it free, and free, free joints to people in California? Like, fun oh, yeah, things, yeah. And, <laughs> and, of course, the Biden administration, uh, one, $143.5 million to strengthen vaccine confidence. You know, maybe we just need re-education camps. But all of this in a time where we're not we're still not sure what long-term effects are but we will in well, 55 years adam yeah well that's the thing right the nuremberg code is there to make sure we're not like being subjected to testing of experimental vaccines and medications and medical things and so here's the government trying to say oh well it's not experimental anymore but when we ask well what the heck like can i see some data here please and there's a FOIA request to to the fda to to see all of the COVID data, all the COVID research. But but yeah, Michelle, you were just kind of pointing to this story here that the FDA wants 55 years to process these FOIA requests. And and I'm asking myself, okay, wait, you want 55 years to process this, the, the FOIA requests that basically information the public is entitled to. And in fact, the FDA already has a, a, a just an internal policy, an internal code that mandates that they promptly share this type of information with us. But they want 55 years to process this FOIA request to share information with us over a vaccine that they were pretty quick to say, hey, you know what, we're going to go ahead and give Moderna and Pfizer the license to to to, to jab people in mass. Um, the FDA is an organization that gets billions in funding, right? They have billions and billions in funding to run their operations. But their their reason here for asking for 55 years to process this, they're just like, hey, listen, guys, real quickly, can we just kind of kind of conform to this mandate of processing 500 documents per month they're trying to say we only have like eight people in our office that can do this but the fda has an obligation well, to the oh, wait, wait, wait. To show oh, us this oh pick me pick me how about right. instead of putting a an irs guru in every auditor <laughs> for every go. every accountant's office in the united states man you know just well, saying Literally, so they have, there's a, the FDA's own regulations, right? They, it's called, here's, uh, the reference is Title 22, subchapter F. Quote, the FDA's own regulations stipulate that the agency is to make immediately available all documents underlying licensure of a vaccine. Okay, well, immediately available sounds like yesterday to me. 55 years sounds like a lifetime. You know, my, my sister didn't even live 55 years. She, she didn't live 30. So 55 yeah. years is a, is a couple lifetimes for some people. 
well, that doesn't sound like immediately available to me at all, Michelle. Um, so, so, you know, I think that we're talking about 80,000 pages worth of documentation here that is stuff that was drafted by a combination of researchers, a combination of doctors, but the FDA wants to go through this and, you know, kind of like cross out this and black line that and make sure that we don't get access to the full story. But guys, we deserve the full story here. This is something that we're putting into our bodies. This is something that has potentially long-term effects on, on us as adults or kids that we're starting to now say have to get the vaccine as well. Um, well, years. now, now uh, as we move forward, uh, it, it's not being overreported, but this is a huge story that uh, there was a judge on Friday, uh, federal appeals court handed a victory to the opponents of the Biden administration vaccines testing mandate. They upheld right. an, an earlier stay called the rule staggeringly overboard. Um, and says that it likely violates the U.S. Constitution and that it likely violates U.S. federal law. Uh, it's egregious for a sitting president, no matter how you think he got into office, to <laughs> violate the Constitution, violate federal law, have such an overreaching mandate with unprecedented punishment for people who do not comply with, again, something that seems to violate, well, seems to, outright violates the Nuremberg Code and body bodily autonomy. This is what's happening. Now, OSHA has suspended enforcement of the COVID vaccine mandate for large businesses. You know, that big 100 employees or more? Right. OSHA has suspended it. They're done. They're out. Now, of course, there are states like my state in Washington that do not give a damn, and they're going to do it anyway. That's a state rights issue. But as far as a federal mandate, it is it, at this point, it's gone. Uh, your well, thoughts, Adam? a crushing Adam? mandate, too. I mean, All it's right. like Biden, we're literally trying to say small businesses, we're going to fine you $14,000 per violation um, for any unvaxxed workers that, that are seen not wearing a mask on the job, not submitting to weekly COVID tests. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, we were talking about him last week. That's a guy that submitted to 300 COVID tests and he still got barbecued despite following the protocol, the NFL's protocol for unvaccinated. Well, who, why aren't uh, many of the players who were vaccinated and come to work sick and get other people sick, why aren't they being barbecued? That's the hypocrisy. Uh, one of the people who were at the forefront, uh, in fact, the people who are at the forefront of all of this was the Daily Wire. And I wanted you to hear a statement from them. Uh, we'll pull it up here. Nice. All right. All right. The Biden administration announced today that it's suspending the implementation and enforcement of its unconstitutional vaccine mandate for private sector employers, pending the outcome of litigation by the Daily Wire and others. This is huge news for the 80 plus million American workers currently being asked to choose between their livelihoods and their bodily autonomy. It's huge news too, here at the Daily Wire. We were the first in the nation to file suit against the administration for this tyrannical overreach. And just this week, all of the cases filed around the country were consolidated into our court, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. That puts the Daily Wire at the forefront of the fight against Joe Biden's assault on our businesses, our bodies, and our private health decisions. But here's the thing. This victory won't mean anything to American workers unless businesses nationwide also stop enforcing and implementing the mandate. If you run a business and you've spent the last few weeks preparing to go along with the Biden plan, I get it. The government has brought enormous pressure to bear and the fines that they're threatening for non-compliance are staggering. They could break any company. But here's the thing. Unless you're a government contractor or, or subject to the healthcare worker VAX requirement or some other local or state policy, none of that is actually in play at the moment. Until the Sixth Circuit or the Supreme Court rules otherwise, the OSHA mandate is now off. No vaccine requirement, no testing requirement, no masks, no fines, nothing. You don't have to do anything. So don't. Don't do the dirty work for the government. Make them have to. Don't do the dirty work for the government. Yeah. Hats off suggestion. to Ben Shapiro and Jeremy Boring's company over there, the Daily Wire, um, for, for putting their money where their mouth is. You don't have to agree with everything those guys say. And. And I think they say a lot of very intelligent things, but um, yeah, hats off to them for joining the fight alongside several other states' attorney generals. Uh, I know the the attorney general in Missouri was kind of one of the guys that really started this this legal battle against this ridiculous mandate. 
so, so thank goodness for, I mean, a hundred employees is still a small business. Uh, small business is defined by the SBA up to, I think, 250 employees or so. So, you know, small business can be, it, it, can, it can be truly a small like mom and pop shop or a company of 20 or so, um, more of my size of a business, or it could be like a freaking massive 250 size business that all of a sudden you're finding now is having to split up different parts of the company to, to run operations without being, without having to conform to these ridiculous mandates. Uh, but you know, the, the interesting thing I think in that story from the daily wire was him pointing out the, the idea of, okay, now OSHA is refusing to be, uh, a puppet in this game. OSHA is refusing to be the one with the hammer doing what you say to do. You look to Australia, right? The police over there are, are following unjust orders. They're following corrupt political decisions and, and, and imposing terrible things on the people over there here in our country. A lot of our police are not doing that. They are choosing to not show up to work, to not get the vaccine. Uh, all of, a lot of our first responders now, you have, you have departments and you have firehouses that are understaffed and can't, can't serve uh, the ranks because their leadership is flawed and they know their leadership is flawed and they want to continue to serve the, the community but they don't want to take your rights from you. So, so thank God for that. Yeah. Um, we're seeing a, the first wave of military personnel that are going to be disenfranchised from the military. Um, it's inane. It is absolutely inane. When we do have testing, we should be putting emphasis on T-cell testing. Your vaccine, we know, does not protect you. It, the whole, you're just being selfish. You're so self. Well, first of all, I have the right to be selfish. And isn't that what you people were pushing all along when you champion killing innocent babies within the womb? Because you have the right to be selfish, even though you 100% know you're taking another human life. Um, if I don't take the vaccine, there's no guarantee I'm going to be spreading it. Now, interestingly enough, that whole argument is gone because now we know you take the vaccine, you can still get and spread the virus. The only reason for taking the vaccine is because it could lessen and it has been shown to lessen some of the effects of COVID. Um, so that's pretty selfish as far as I'm concerned, because now you're just walking around. We, I can get it. I can spread it, but it's not going to be bad for me. The other issue that we're having with it is that we don't know what's going to happen down the road. Uh, there are, there are people who have problems with clotting. There are new symptoms that are coming out with the vaccine and new ones that come out every single month. Oh, wow. There's these. Are they mild? Are they serious? We don't know. This is where we're at in our illogical, right. unbendable, uh, undebatable society. And, and we're being outright lied to by the press, not just hiding information, not just spinning information, but outright lying and using deceptive practices. And That's we've right. seen this in the biggest story of the week, the Rittenhouse trial. Actually, Michelle, I just got breaking news uh, just shared with you uh, by my by my number one assistant ever in the world. My wife, she, she passed me a note uh, breaking Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty on all charges. Whoa! On, and guess why he's not guilty on all charges? Because a fair jury looked at the evidence, and there was there was significant and a lot of, of video evidence for what happened there. Speaking of a corrupt media, right, and and, and, and corrupt mandates. How about a this corrupt DA who brought a politically charged case to the court without evidence to substantiate anything to the effect of? a angry white male with a gun going to shoot up a crowd of heroes as described by the DA. In fact, we have a politically charged district attorney's office, a guy that has aspirations to be a Democrat operative, um, arguing this ridiculous case that made him look like a very small person, a very small person of, of low intellect, um, kind of fighting a, a, a really pathetic, um, I, I guess legal battle that was supposed to be on a position of racial justice. Yeah. This, this white 17 year old who shot three white dudes, one of them being a freaking pedophile. Uh, the other one holding a gun to his head. 
And the other one trying to come down on him with a skateboard. Like I, this, this was such an open and shut self-defense case to me mm. um, to, to see how MSNBC tried to intimidate the jury. Um, this was on the, I think after the third day of deliberations, you literally had an, NB, uh, an MSNBC producer in a, in a car chasing the jury van, running through a red light, being pulled over by the police. And the guy basically saying, no, sir, I've actually been instructed by, by my bosses at MSNBC to follow this, this jury and photograph them. Yeah. Jury yeah. intimidation, man, that's a part of a corrupt system. It's not what we can allow to take place in our government. And when I think back to the Chauvin trial, you had freaking Maxine Waters going to, to I guess, the courthouse to stir up a bunch of people who are ready to wage violence if the, the outcome, if the verdict was not guilty. Yeah. Um, is, that is this inane? I thought you might find yeah. it interesting to hear from the judge uh, on some of the outlandish practices of the media. And what I would like you to think about as being a longtime media girl is the the way the press behaved is what we used to ascribe to those gossip reporters, the kind that chased down Princess Di and caused her accident in the in the tunnel. You know, this paparazzi right. ridiculous nature of let's just get this story, not traditional reporting. Where is good reporting anymore? This is what the judge had to say. And I think it's shameful, some of the things that are being done to these people. And uh, I, 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 when I talked about um, problems with the media when this trial started, that's, we're there in part, not fully, but in part because of grossly irresponsible handling of what comes out of this trial. I will tell you this. Uh, I'm going to think long and hard about uh, live television, the trial again next time. I don't know. I, I, I've always been a firm believer in it because I think the people should be able to see what's going on. But when I see what's being done, it's really quite frightening. frightening. It is quite frightening. It's quite frightening. Yes. <laughs> That's where we're at. I, I, and I, I definitely understand his position. I think I think the ability to have public visibility on a trial is incredibly important. Maybe you don't allow the mainstream news stations in there, but you know, like Congress has C-SPAN, right? C-SPAN just has a very unimpressive view of what's taking place within the chambers of Congress. You know, I think we still have to, to allow a, a certain level of, of video access that the public can, can see, um, especially, you know, of trials of substance like this, trials like the Chauvin trial, and then maybe even the Ahmaud Arbery trial as well, which I think is probably a little bit more, um, frankly newsworthy when it comes to any sorts of, of attempt to argue uh, some sort of vigilante perspective. Um, that, that case strikes me as one that might actually have more, more weight to it if you're trying to say that there was something racially charged involved. This Rittenhouse uh, trial, man, what a joke. It's a freaking joke that was perpetrated by a very political. I mean, you have a, a kid that looks like a Boy Scout that uh, you really don't see uh, him. He, well, barely, President Biden even was lifting his a white voice. Yes, he did. <laughs> you know, so you guilty Iona before Presley proving innocent. Yeah, but, Ayanna Presley. But, here's a tweet uh, of Ayanna Presley saying, she says, a 17-year-old white supremacist domestic terrorist drove across state lines armed with an AR-15. He shot and killed two people who had assembled to affirm the value, dignity, and worth of black lives. Fix your damn headlines. That's Ayanna Presley tweeting. So you have you have literally political officials like Ayanna Presley and President Biden calling this kid a white supremacist when in fact he was offering first aid to people that were hurt, whether they were black or white, didn't matter to him. He was there just to, to protect property. And in fact, he did. And I, he I had a firearm, which is firearm. what and he used a firearm the way you use a firearm. If you're going to have a firearm, if we are going to allow firearms in our country, you use it for self protection. Um, it, when you feel that your life is in danger, these tweets and these comments from elected officials before we have had a chance to have someone have their day in court is irresponsible on the highest level. And in my opinion, uh, that's on the light side. If we really want to get to what it is, it's usurping the judicial branch of government. It exactly is absolutely right. stepping in and usurping the judicial branch of government because 
suddenly you get to be the the judge, the jury, and even in some cases the executioner. Then we have uh, back to the media. I wanted to show you just an example. Now we've all gotten to see uh, if we paid attention the Rittenhouse trial, which if you're just tuning in not guilty on all counts. No surprise there. Come on. I bet he's going to be rich, by the way, too. Uh, well, I want to see civil lawsuits against oh, against I, President Biden, against MSNBC, CNN. That yeah, and let's rich. talk about CNN, C, CNN, Joe Scarborough, who said this. I, I'll just let you. I'll just let you hear it, and then you can comment. Listen to what he said. Here we have a 17-year-old kid underage, said he bought an AR-15 because he thought it was cool. He drove across state, had his mother drive him across state lines. He appointed himself a militia member. He goes around and he ends up unloading, what, 60 rounds, kills two people, wounds a third person, and he ends up unloading, what, 60 rounds, kills sound, and he ends up unloading, what, 60 rounds? Sound, yeah, I'll say it one more time. God. What, 60 rounds? It's That's the news. That's not, that. that is news reporting right there. No, he didn't say he was uh, you know, so, uh, going over as a militia member. No, he no. did not unload 60 rounds. We saw the video. Do you know how much 60 rounds? He would have had to change out his magazine well, I, I know how many yeah, times 30 round mags and it takes you it takes several minutes to fill that up like truly i know i have 30 round magazines 60 rounds is a full reload he actually during the trial the the, the jury the, i'm sorry the district attorney was trying to go through the process of re-racking a firearm like that and they were demonstrating how you how you do it you literally have to drop the magazine put a new one in there and then pull back the, the action to to, to rechamber the weapon it takes time. It would be very easy to see on video. And as much video as there was, I mean, very clearly, less than 30 rounds were fired. He didn't reload the, the firearm at all. And yet, so, so there were less C than 30 I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. It's MSNBC. One, one, another reason they should have been barred long before this. I'm going to, I'm going to play it and I'm going to show it. I just played it last time. This, to me, is egregious. Here we have a 17-year-old kid underage, said he bought an AR-15 because he thought it was cool. He drove across state, had his mother drive him across state lines. He appointed himself a militia member. He goes around and he ends up unloading, what, 60 rounds, kills two people, wounds a third person. It's Here ridiculous. We have yeah, th and that is where it was outright lies. Well, it, you know, it wasn't, wasn't just, just a... they have access to all the information that we have and then some. And right. yet well, they utilized this to report something that was unequivocally untrue. It would have right. been powerful enough to just report the truth. They're uh, trying to position him as like this crazy, like white supremacist kid, when in fact he was a guy who, he was a junior cadet in his local fire department. He's not somebody that has showed up to a violent scene. He's someone that uh, had tried to kind of put himself through a junior level of, of basic first aid training so he can kind of respond to to basic flesh wounds and things like that. Um, he's someone that had a history of trying to serve his community and he had aspirations to eventually do so either as a firefighter or a policeman or a paramedic. He wanted to kind of fill that sort of public service role. And, I and think the he saw media was irresponsible in, while you could say, and it's, I have no problem with them saying, yeah, he crossed state lines, but report the whole story. It's 17 right minutes 17 to 20 minutes from his house that's like me going from where i live to downtown seattle absolutely it is also true that his father lived there so it is part right. of his community if you think of the people during oh i don't know uh the summer of love that they called it here in seattle with uh the autonomous zone they had <laughs> there were people from all over the state and even out of state who consider Seattle, part of their com greater community. They came here to, to protest. Brett Hume weighed in. You sent me this tweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what Brett Hume's 
com or I guess contribution was. To, and this was basically him responding to Ayanna Pressley's ridiculous tweet. And he basically said, Rittenhouse is white and 17. Everything else in this tweet from a member of Congress is false, yet the tweet remains up. Hey, at Twitter, I thought you were policing false claims. Ooh, well, ouch. just throw Twitter in that bucket of yeah, corrupt media, hey, right? And corrupt boom. the same bucket as the corrupt district Kids attorney and Thomas to Binger. Kill Kyle Rittenhouse and yeah, go ahead. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, you know, what, what a garbage lawyer. And then I think because of all this ridiculousness, that's why in America did that. I believe Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be more wealthy degree than Nick Sandman from uh, Covington Catholic, who had a massive, massive payout from CNN um, after that whole ridiculous debacle that tried to smear his character as a, as a freaking teenager. Uh, Rittenhouse, I think, is going to be maybe twice as wealthy as uh, now Mr. Sadman, who's uh, just a, now a rich kid. Just but I wouldn't wish anybody having to go through all of that in order God, to no. achieve wealth. Well, it's, it's you had, really you had a Joy, Joy Bayer on The View making fun of this kid for, for the way he was expressing and describing the situation that he lived through. I mean, he, he's going to have PTSD for a long oh, time. Oh, dude, I, I so did LeBron James. And what I find it's funny LeBron about James. that is LeBron can't fall down on the basketball court without crying like a baby and practically wetting himself. Forgive me right. if you're a James fan, but dude, come on. What the He's, he's, the he's got worse acting than a Champions League like, soccer player, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the, the way he falls on the court on. is just ridiculous, LeBron. I mean, man. And, and I don't want to be like Laura Ingram, who's just like, just shut up and dribble. Like, I don't want to be like that guy because I think that no. if, if, if personalities have an intelligent thing to say, they should say it. But LeBron James it's called is called free speech, out of his, out of his Laura. I, I'm sorry. It's called free speech, <laughs> exactly. and that's perfectly fine. But if you're going to free speech in a public venue, be ready for the outpouring. I have right. to. I I have but, all kinds of comments that come up. That's suffer. fine. It's called free speech. If you can't LeBron, take it, don't dish it out. My grandpa's not around anymore, but but God rest his soul. But he had this this saying, and it sounds like LeBron James is suffering from a case of what my grandpa would say is cranial rectal inversion syndrome. <laughs> He's speaking out of his rear end and not not, not using his head. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, uh, well, so it, is the media in this case, and this exactly. is a CNN. I, I, this is the uh, the CNN issue I was talking about. Now, my friends, I would like for you, I don't care where you are on the political aisle, to recognize that when you speak one thing out of one side of your mouth, and then when something happens just like uh, what you were talking about, but it's from the other end of the aisle and then you're complaining and bitching about it. Well, you're a hypocrite. So this is, I don't even have, I don't even know what I can say about this other than take a listen. I don't know. Would people believe that this is how they're supposed to be? What the right is saying about Kyle Rittenhouse is that, well, the government didn't do its job. So it took a 17 year old kid to come in and do what was right. That's vigilantism. That's not what people are not supposed to be vigilantes. We're not supposed to be. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We're where were they saying? And I'm not finished with this, with this yet. I, I want you to hear the rest of this. But where were they saying this? These, these same three that you see on your screen, where were they during the summer of love? Where were they during the Black Lives Matter riots? Where were they during these very riots that they're complaining that what the heck was Kyle Rittenhouse doing there anyway? I don't know. What the heck were people burning down buildings, blowing up cars and lighting dumpsters on fire? Let's listen to the rest. Let's be taking um, justice into our own hands. Imagine what? if well, every well, single person in America did that. Okay. Justice into uh, our own hands. Imagine if every single person in America did that. Imagine if you call for um, for black men or just black folks to be armed and go out in the streets and, <laughs> you know, do what they think. Justice. Take Imagine. What would that look like? I don't know. Uh, 2020? Get back. Remember and what they did to you and slavery, whatever. Go and, and take things. and do Imagine if people were condoning that. Uh, yeah, imagine. Is this guy serious? Yeah. These are the people that were basically working on the bailout fund for, the, for, for these rioters. These are not <laughs> heroes. These are rioters. These are not the people that were a part of the civil rights march. You like, can't that's make not this at all what's going up. on out there. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I am not kidding. That was real. That was 100%. You can't just go out there and, and take justice into your own. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. What the heck <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh 
you know, like when we start listening to to quote truth from people like Joy Reid, you know, it's just that just really kind of like it's like a, it's like an extra level of just ridiculous and stupid. Um, you know, it's like, does it, do you have to be like, does it take intelligence to, to sound that stupid, to sound that dumb? You know, does it take intelligence to spin a story that, that terribly? Um, you know, what, why does it seem like most people who think with just basic common sense are able to understand that what these people at MSNBC and CNN are saying is just bogus. And that's why their ratings are so low right now. That's why nobody's watching them. And thank God for that. I'm watching them just so that I can make fun of them because (laughs) the, the few that do watch and do believe that regurgitate vomit up this this ideology with and it is absolute intolerance we're at a place where we can listen to i don't i don't have any problem with people talking about stuff like that i have a problem with the media who has a responsibility to report on an issue. You give this side, you give that side, you give all of the information. It's not about editorialism, but if you pick up a paper, it's editorialism from front to back. That's not okay. If someone's side is ridiculous, dangerous, white supremacist, uh, or any of the name calling that we ascribe, Adam, then it proves itself out. We can see that it's obvious. Once upon a time, the best news anchors took pride in the fact that it was hard for the public to guess whether they were left or right. Damn straight. Once upon a time. And now it's just, it's like, it's so obvious now. Like there's no, there's no room for question at all because the news is not covered objectively. And now you literally see, uh, uh, this was a headline that I came across earlier, earlier in the week and forgive me, I didn't include it here, but it was the fact that there is now training going through newsrooms saying that journalism should not be objective, that in fact, journalism should literally come with a bias behind it. And, and that is pure. And garbage, it's not frankly. journalism. And I will tell you, um, you've heard, you may have heard this story before, but if you're new to my Michelle live, I've been in the media uh, doing this type of uh, either talk show or news writing or reporting for all of my adult life. I used to get praised because I would report on the story and it felt great that you could report the story and not let your personal passion, no matter how strongly you feel about it, be known as Adam was mentioning. One day, this is where it all changed for me, where my heart was irreparably broken and it's only gotten worse since. When my manager walked in, the editor, and he read a piece to me that I had written and he said, this is great writing. It's it's fabulous. And my little eyes lit up because I was real young and I was you know, trying to improve my craft. He said, however, if you write it like this and you change the words like this, you can help people think like this. What? Are you kidding me? We want people to think like this. Yeah, this candidate's coming to town and you want them to think this so that they'll vote the right way. Who the living hell are you to say what is right and what is wrong? You're the news. Yeah, and and when you have a news that has no integrity, you're not following truth anyway, because truth has integrity. Uh, there is an ultimate right and an ultimate wrong. Uh, without God, there really isn't. It's just all subjective anyway. So if it's subjective, there is no truth. If there's a God, there's a truth. And in both cases, integrity should rule the day. What? the heck and that's where we're at today and so as we wrap up our our program today i'd like you to investigate your truth i don't care how true you think your truth is i don't care if like me you're a faith person and you believe in the absolute truth of the gospel uh you know the the bible is an inerrant word of god god's not afraid of you challenging that he says come let us reason together so even if if god is even okay with that kind of challenge who is msn msnbc cnn the white house uh, who are they to say this is truth it is unchallengeable science is 
challenge. Science is taking an issue and saying, I don't care how ridiculous it is, bring it in. Let's just investigate it and let's see how the facts play out. That is what truth is. So I'm challenging you today to not be a coward. Take whatever your deepest held truth is, investigate it as hard as you can. Try to disprove it. See how well it stands up because I will tell you in the end, the truth will set you free. And to me, that's what we get to every, every episode of my Michelle live. We look for the God story, the truth because the truth does set you free. Adam Rizieri, you can find him at Agency Partners Interactive. You can also get a link at My Michelle Live, where you'll be able to see this and so much more. Join us, Adam. Thanks. You have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you. You too. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.